Hey everybody, it's Fred Morton. We at Action Sports Shacks hope you and your family are doing well. Coronavirus has forced a lot of people to choose between buying food and keeping the lights on. Whether you're one of these people or not, we're all living through this pandemic together. We've partnered with Feeding Northeast Florida for a virtual food drive so you can help without leaving your house. To donate now, go to ESPN690.com. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anajar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Yeah, the draft went smoothly. It got off to a little bit of a hiccup when we first started, but other than that, it went really smooth. There were really no problems with it, so we got more comfortable with it. So it should be uh, it should be fine and go on without a glitch. I'm sure there'll be a couple glitches here and there, but actually for the first for the first time, I thought it went pretty well. That is John Elway from the Denver Broncos. You know, there was a lot of talk yesterday that uh, there was like a two and a half minute glitch. You know, first of all, it came out that there was a glitch, like with the Bengals when they did this mock draft. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. Like it was like a two-and-a-half-minute thing. They're on the clock for like 15 minutes. We know you're taking Joe Burrow. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, it's so but, we get carried away with that stuff. Imagine being the person that has to fix the glitch knowing you ha- you're on the clock. Yeah. I Listen, I get it. I, I understand that. It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> There is a lot of pressure, and you want to be perfect. In our business, you want everything to come off smoothly, especially from a technical standpoint. It makes people more uncomfortable. In this situation, where there's already a lot of pressure on the people picking, there will make them even more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Understand. I, th- that is understandable. I do think, from a consumer standpoint, we are going to all be like, we'll be critical. There'll be memes coming out of it. Everybody making fun of so-and-so. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is, you know what happens sometimes? Sometimes the internet glitches. Sometimes the phones go out. You know, you pick it up and you call again. I mean, very few times does the phone, does the phone go out for 15 straight minutes. <laughs> exactly. Know? So, and I think there's going to be some leniency from that. I think most people, even though the, the Twitter, you won't hear it, but most people will have leniency on how they conduct this draft and how it looks and how it's different. And I think some people, some of the things they'll do will be like, hey, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Uh, we may even interpret it or put it into implement it into our future drafts. And then others will be like, oh, geez, you know, why did that happen? Listen, ESPN's one of the best when it comes to technical stuff. I've watched their stuff at times, and especially like in the morning shows, they've had problems. Like, yeah. they have. That's, that's just the way it happens. And they're ESPN. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think everybody, I think this thing, I've said it from day one when we knew this was happening, I think this will come off way better than anybody thinks. Uh, I will tell you this. We tweeted some pictures out of Dave Caldwell's situation, uh, kind of his setup, mm-hmm. his own little theater there, and uh, it looks like a, a good place to be on draft night, his own little war room. That's at uh, his house, by the way? That's his, okay, his house, cool. yep. And uh, he'll be there uh, in Ponte Vedra, Doug Marone. Uh, I think now has moved over kind of toward uh, like bowls and stuff now. Uh, he'll be at his home. Shot Khan, I've heard different things. He could be anywhere from Jacksonville to Chicago. Uh, could be on the Kismet. I yeah. mean, I've heard different things, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, but, I mean, I'm sure he's probably got Wi-Fi on the Kismet. It's all good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah he's got whatever wired up that he needs to yeah, be wired good, up, man. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, speed. Caldwell's looked good, and for everything I've heard, they didn't have a problem when they were on the clock in their mock draft. So the technical side shook out pretty well. I don't think there's going to be a lot of problems. It will be interesting to see where the hiccups are, though. Absolutely. I mean, there will be something, for sure. Whether it's a glitch or something like that, 
Um, there will be some problems, but once again, man, I don't even need to see any of the GM's faces. No offense to Dave Caldwell, you're a great-looking guy, but I don't, I don't need to see him, man. All right, all I need to see is the picks on the bottom in that ticker going back and forth. And all I need to see is who the Jay was going to take at number 9 and at number 20 or if they trade those picks away. That's all I got to see, man. They, they can do this thing on an 8-bit Nintendo screen-looking-like thing, and I'll be fine, man. All I need is just the names and where everyone's going, and I can be happy with that. Uh, I, I'm fine with it, too. So we'll see how it shakes out uh, coming up uh, Thursday night. I think it will be better than people uh, think it is. Did and you watch the, the uh, you know what WNBA I did? draft? I said to watch, and I really didn't hey, watch it. Enough. I watched it, so you're welcome. You're, yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah, how, uh, well, I, I, read, I think I read something about it after, and I don't think there were... Yeah, I mean, issues. Not, not really issues. Obviously, this will be more elaborate. Of course, but, and I, I hope so. But you know, with the WNBA thing, like yeah, there wasn't really that many hitches, or if you will. But I mean, the one prevalent thing was there was a delay, right? So whenever um, you know someone got drafted, well, they would interview that person from their home via you know Zoom or whatever it was. They'd ask the question, and you know, like ten seconds later, you're waiting on it. There's a delay, and then she finally answered the question. So there was delays there, you know. So it wasn't the most smoothest thing, but once again, wasn't that big a deal? Yeah, I don't think it will be uh, much of a, a big deal either. Okay, Yannick Ngakwe continues to be a storyline here in Jacksonville, really all around the country. I don't really think you can sleep on that. I mean, it was a one day thing, but this is a big deal. I mean, it was a it's a big deal to see how this plays out. I'm trying to think all around this story. My initial reaction yesterday, by the way, was, hey, Tony Khan won. You did it. You, yeah. you put the rounds out on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> and and Jan looked worse than the Jags looked in this situation. There's no doubt about it. I put a poll out there. It was 83% mm-hmm. said Yannick Ngakwe uh, looked worse than the Jags. Now, we're not in a competition to see who can look worse, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you want to be great, not bad. Uh I did not come away with some of the sentiment, though, that a lot of people did. And you can tell me if I'm being sunshine or rainbows, maybe defending the organization. I think there have been plenty of times where the Jags have looked bad. On the field, they've looked awful for a long time. They have had 12 top 10 picks in the last 13 years. That, to me, is embarrassing. Nobody does that in any sport. It doesn't happen. So there are embarrassing things for this organization that can come out. Uh, the 25% grievance thing uh, that happened last fall. That was yeah. embarrassing for the organization. The NFLPA telling players not to sign Jacksonville. Yes, uh, that is embarrassing. So those things happen. I just didn't look at it this way. You kind of did a little bit. Some others did. I don't see the Jags looking bad in this situation. If anything else, I think what kind of happened yesterday might validate their positioning on this whole thing for the last six or eight months. Also, the the, the way the market has dried up, whatever they offered Jan couldn't have been that far off mm-hmm. last year. So maybe they were ahead of it. They weren't that far out of the ballpark. So I, I just don't – I don't think the optics, since we all like to use that word – were that bad for the Jags in this situation yesterday that that so many other people do? Well, you know, don't get it twisted here. Like, I do think it wasn't the best look for the Jacksonville Jaguars. However, though, I felt the need to poke fun at it, make fun of it, you know, and try to bring some humor to it. So it didn't really concern me that much. And, you know, that's what I did, right? Like, when obviously the whole grievance gate went down, I wasn't laughing at that. That wasn't funny. I just think right now, Brent, I'm so desensitized to covering the Jaguars for a year and a half where this came out and it was comical to me, right? And, you know, I get both sides. 
I get people out there that are saying, what is Tony Khan doing going after his player? Just let Yannick Ngakwe make his own bed and leave it alone. Okay, I get you there, but here's the thing. And Tony Khan's on the same stuff with All Elite Wrestling, by the way, too, as well. When, you know, some WWE wrestlers went after him. He went right back, all right? Sure, you can take the high road if you want to, but if you believe in something, then why not clap back? Especially, and and, and to me, where it took the turn for the worse, and this was the biggest mistake that Yannick Ngakwe made, was the fact that he tried to assassinate Tony Khan's character. Right, he he tried to bring the whole Chargers game up, or whatever that was, and saying like you said something else, and something else happened like that. Like you try to assassinate someone's character. So 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 now your character, your reputation, is not only being brought to light, but it's being brought to light in front of thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people on social media. Okay. So, in my opinion, then, Tony Khan's got every right to defend himself, whether it looks good for organization or not. Like, you're, you're not going to try to assassinate someone's character and get away with it, in my eyes. So, I have no problem to Tony Khan responding to Yannick Ngakwe and saying what he said. Now, if this would have been handled behind closed doors, it would have been better for everybody, right? But that's not what happened. So, I, I have no problem from that standpoint. The only problem that I have is, this is just, it's like the cherry on top. It's the cherry on top of the worst chocolate sundae of all time, okay? Because it's just kept – we keep on adding scoops and yeah. scoops and scoops, and then we drizzle it on top with the grievance thing, and then we add a little whipped cream, and that can go ahead and be um, Tom Coughlin saying we need 100% participation. Like, you know, it just – it never stopped yeah. last year. Or Fournette stuff. Now, or, or the Leonard know? Fournette stuff. Like, it just – it never – yeah, the Leonard Fournette can be like the, 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 the almonds or whatever you put on top of it, the walnuts, if you will. And just to me, the Yannick Ngakwe blowover, that was a cherry on top, man. Yeah, so I guess that side of it, it's interesting. This this was so different because Tony Khan did react. Yeah. You know, so you didn't have a problem with no, his, Khan reacting. His, his character got attacked. I, I would have did the same thing. I Wait, mean, I guess what I, maybe it's selfishly that I don't think, I don't have a problem with Tony coming back because it actually gave us a little bit of insight. Mm-hmm. On what has now been a solid eight month soap opera, uh, the Jaguars since if you go back to December thirty first, uh, that was when Dave Caldwell said Beyond's priority number one. They then go to the combine. You know, I think that was one of the times we actually asked about him at the Senior Bowl as well. But uh, the combine said, "Hey, we're not doing going public with this. Mm-hmm. We're not. We're not doing this over." Uh, social media, over microphones, all this, even though uh, Yannick was pretty loud and forceful on that front and said the same thing just last week in the pre-draft luncheon. So I thought this was actually refreshing. Take away the actual like battle back and forth, and you know they're in a stalemate. But to get a little intel on it, whether it was the Chargers stuff from Yann or on the other side is, hey, we're not getting any compensation that we see fit. Yeah. Like it's it, Tony did not say, "Hey, we're not willing to trade you." Yeah. Like we're not even listening. Yeah. No, he flat out said, yeah. "Hey, we're well, we're willing well, to listen." And then listen, and that was the obvious point. But g- getting back to Tony responding about his character, like to me, that was a big moment for not only Tony Khan but also the organization because you may not think about it like this, Brent, but players are watching this transpire. Oh, absolutely. Like, the whole world's watching. 
And the last thing that you want, uh, you know, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, is for a player to speak out against your front office, a player to speak out against Tony Khan, who, and what is his official job title now? You know, like he's, I know he's I on the he's analytical side. He's vice president side. of uh, technology. It's a okay, long yeah, title. Yeah, but, you know, he's, he's, well, we know he's heavily involved in analytics. Exactly. Thank you very much. So he, he's a big part of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's just say that. And well, he's if, a future owner of the team. Of course. So <laughs> if you have a player that's currently on your roster trying to speak out against, you know, uh, the, the co-owner, the, 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 the analytics, whatever you want to call him, a big part of the Jaguars organization, well, then don't you want your team to stand up for itself? If, if, if you're a Jaguars fan, don't you want your team to respond to that just because, guess what, there's other players watching, and maybe down the line there's a free agent that you're just thinking about coming to Jacksonville, they go back to... Well, Tony Khan's a new owner now. Remember when him and Yannick Ngakou got into it? Supposedly, Tony Khan lied to him. Like, everyone's watching that, man. Players are watching that. So, to me, Tony Khan not only stuck up for himself, but he stuck up for the organization, and he made the point of, listen, that's not how we do things here. I'm not a liar. I'm going to call you out. I'm going to right the wrong, and I'm going to set at least a better scene for the culture and the players going forward. Yeah, that's well said. Uh, You know, again, I I think it's twofold. I think you're right. He probably had to do it from that standpoint and was in position to do so. Took the high road uh, during one of the the back and forths. And then I also think, again, the intel there is, hey, we're willing to let you go. Mm -hmm. But find us a dance partner, man. And uh, we all agree with his last line. I mean, I don't think he helped his draft stock, a uh, trade stock at all yesterday with with what went down uh, in that situation. One last thought on it. OK, uh, the the organization, what you just said, it still goes back to what we've said multiple times in the last few months. Shad Khan has to be very careful here. Mm-hmm. He has to be careful of, hey, I'm unhappy. I want out. OK, see ya. You can't. You just can't do that. I mean, you can't say, "Hey, I'm going to kick and scream. I'm going to go say I got a bad back. I'm going to go have this bizarre press conference. I'm going to take to social media and do these bizarre things." And see you later. You got what you want. You're out the door. Uh, you've got to be really careful of that. Take away the Jags side and what they got from from Ramsey and all that, because I think again the Jags feel like they were winners there. That's why that move ended up happening. I just think Shad has to be really careful that happened in twice in, in six months. And keep in mind, already had the bizarre happen. And we still don't really know the exact reason why. We've heard all sorts of things. I think there are multiple reasons why. But Telvin Smith is still not playing football. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it happened in that year, too. You get the Telvin Smith stuff. You're coming off a horrific year in 2018 where everything went awry. You've got... Jalen Ramsey throwing a fit. You've got Yannick Ngakwe holding out. You've got Yannick Ngakwe doing all this. You've got 25% grievances. I mean, it's been a miserable year from that standpoint for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He has to be very careful here. Tony Khan, Shad Khan, the organization as a whole to say, hey, if you want out of Jacksonville, no problem. Here's your ticket. Mm-hmm. We'll find a way out for you. And I think that's what this is all about. A lot of this is about, too. And it just got even tougher to get out of Jacksonville yesterday for Yannick Ngakwe because of that. You said it earlier in the show. Jan is a is kind of a victim of circumstance here. Now, he created some of his own mess. Some of the way he's gone about this, but also I still think he did this way too early. All the stuff that he started to do last year, he should have done this year. Uh, He was a year early in the calendar because he had no leverage because of the franchise tag. But he 
now has made his bed in a different way. He's just a victim of some of this. One, Jalen Ramsey did it just six months ago or eight months ago, whatever we are in the calendar now. Yeah. And two, you said it, the pass rushing market has dried up. If the Jags could get what they want in return, uh, they probably would have traded Yannick Ngakwe by now. A final thought on this. How much do you think there is communication amongst owners, GMs, others about stories like this, whether it's Jacksonville or other parts of the league, whether it was Antonio Brown, to say, hey, we've got to be a little careful here, you know, as a, as a league, as a shield, to uh, understand players have more power than ever. They make more money than they've ever made. Branding is very important. But it's still the shield. We're the owners. You know, we can't we can't just let anything go on here and say, hey, you said this on social media. See you later. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just a Jacksonville Whoa. thing is my point. I no. think it might be. I bet there's a lot of communication going on amongst these football teams in their front offices and ownership as well. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm sure there's communication saying, well, you know, the Yannick and Gakwe going after the, the owner's son like that. You better steer clear of that. Yeah, I can kind of foresee that, Brent. But once again, I'm a realist. OK, and winning is the most important thing in the National Football League, whether you're an owner, you're a GM, you're a head coach. It's winning and then everything else, right? Like, there's a reason why Kareem Hunt got a job after he kicked a poor woman, you know, in the back on camera. We all saw it. The world saw it. He still got a job, you know? Like, the owners going to get together and be like, well, we can't have Kareem Hunt in the lead because he... No. Somebody else took a chance on him because you know why? Kareem Hunt's a damn good running back. And he's going to be successful and he's going to have, you know, the team around him. So, with that being said... A team will take a chance. A team has to take a chance because Yannick Ngakwe is too talented of a guy. He's too young of a guy. He's not. He hasn't come into his prime yet. A team will take a chance. And once again, it may not be 31 teams. You don't need 31 teams. Yeah. All you need is that one team take a chance on him, and I'm sure eventually that team will be out there. I've kind of feel like sometimes like uh, the NFL and their ownership group though is a little bit like Augusta National. <laughs> you know, we're yeah. gonna do this our way, mm-hmm. and you're not gonna tell us how to do it. And so once you start telling us how to do it and too many guys start telling us how to do it, we're going to clap back Mm -hmm. and we're going to come out of our corner and we'll show you who's boss. Brett Marno said clap back. The Vegas odds. Catch your uh, catch your tickets now. (laughs) I love it. Odds were about plus 2000. We'll get off the on talk uh, more draft talk right after this action. (laughs) Which acts on ESPN 690. If everybody's all in on Gardner Minshew, and if Gardner did play well as a rookie, then why not get him a guy like Judy to go along with what they have? And they have some some very competent receivers, no question about that. But to get a guy like Judy in with what they have would really strengthen that football team's ability to throw the football. That is Mel Kuyper Jr. ESPN coverage, of course, of the NFL Draft. It will be on ABC as well. Uh, coming up on Thursday night, uh, Friday and Saturday, it will be heard right here on ESPN 690. So if you're in your car, if you're streaming, uh, if you get tired of the TV broadcast, I guess, uh, listen in on ESPN 690 to the draft on Thursday, Friday and Saturday. One more little uh, promotable for you. Seven o'clock. Uh, we've been doing this for years now. Uh, seven o'clock on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Uh, in conjunction with the Jaguars, actually, we'll have a, one hour, 2020 draft 
preview show, really to get you ready for those first couple of picks on Thursday night. Uh, interviews with Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone and uh, so much more content coming up, including uh, an interview with Josh Allen and uh, Tony Baselli on how he handled the coronavirus, but also uh, what he thinks about this draft. So a lot to get to on TV side on Thursday night, 7 o'clock. Join the entire team of Action Sports Jacks on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Uh, Mike Freeman just uh, texted this or tweeted this. Just got off the phone with Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts. I asked what was something teams asked that surprised him. His answer, quote, one representative of one team asked me if my mom had anything bad to say about me. What would it be? <laughs> I, th- I thought for sure it was going to be a repeat of the Do You Find Your Mom Attractive well, again, which I got. The funny thing is, like, Freeman says NFL teams are ruthless. Yeah. Is that really ruthless? That's not ruthless. Come on. Well, it's like it's so over the wall. No, that's fine. I mean, is that that bad? Like, yeah. Uh, listen, I think some Dude. of the questions are stupid, but in interview setting, yeah. you're trying – I think what they're asking is basically the person that loves you the most. Exactly. What would they say bad about you so they can try to figure out what they what's bad about you? All that is, it's just it's a ploy to get you to say what is one of your biggest cons. Like you know, what is one of your biggest flaws? That's all that is. That's not off the wall. I don't think. I don't know. Once again, man was just so desensitized to the questions that I was asked. That didn't seem that bad to me. I, I was going to say, I mean, I mean should we share? Where, where was that one when I was getting? <laughs> like, I've heard some of the questions yeah. that you got asked, and yeah, I'm like, man. what's up with this? Here, this is nothing. Here I'm trying to kill people, and what kind of weapon am I going to use? And this guy's getting asked, hey, what's one of your flaws? <laughs> yeah. What a treat. I, I wouldn't embrace that question. Uh, man. That's uh, interesting. Hey, Mark Easley. Yeah. Got waved yesterday, and, and in all the Yon stuff uh, and Fournette stuff and, and Shock Your Mock, which we'll have coming up in a little Oof, bit. Can't wait. And Sal Palantoni. We didn't really talk about Marquise Lee that much. I, I'll share this. Uh, we have a story on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 on our YouTube channel that I did back in 2014. And I will totally be upfront with you. I'll disclose this. I'm a huge fan of Marquise Lee, and part of it's because of this story. I think what's interesting in our world is we sit here and we criticize and criticize and criticize, and, and that's part of our job. And I think a lot of the players get it, too. And, and you praise when it's time to be praised, although players don't really listen to that part <laughs> as much. But... I, I actually like told my kids this today. I, they were watching the story and that we did back in 2014, and we mm-hmm. shared it. And I said, you know, it kind of reminds me. It checks me a little bit to be like, man, these guys are people. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, they make a lot of money. They do something that very few people can do. And we sit there and lambaste them sometimes because they're not catching enough passes, scoring enough touchdowns, all those things. But they're people. And nobody says that more to me than like Marquise Lee. I, I'm sure there are other examples. But Marquise Lee, quick little – Cliff's Notes version, you know, one brother died from gang violence. Another brother was in prison um, as of recently. I think he has been uh, He's now out uh, for attempted murder. And at 12 years old, Marquise Lee was in, in a gang like in Inglewood, California. We're talking like the Crips and the Bloods. Yeah. I mean, we're talking like that kind of gang. Mm-hmm. And it was gang infested in it, where he grew up. I uh, grew up uh, in foster homes with his his mom was deaf and they he had four brothers and sisters and they wouldn't let her be the parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up with a great family. Obviously, ended up going to USC. I, I still think has one of the great smiles uh, that I've seen in, in an NFL locker room. I mean, the guy lights up a room and he's a good dude. Uh, so I wish him the best. Uh, but the Jags don't have Marquise Lee didn't work out. A lot of it's because of injury. 
I also think this, man, and this is the undertold story, and tell me if I'm biased again, because I, I, I do like Marquise. He's always been one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I always thought the Jags used him wrong. Yeah. I mean, I, you're talking about a guy who's got sprinter speed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It was an unbelievable athlete. Yeah. Belitnikov winner at USC. Yeah. And for the last three years, they used him as an extra tight end. Yeah. They used him at times as the most valuable guy on third down and eight as a possession receiver. Yeah. And by the way, there's other, too. there's other evidence of this because we talked about it last year with Filippo, Chris Conley, not used in the red zone. How? Mm-hmm. Like Keelan Cole in the red zone, not Chris Conley in the red zone. Doesn't Chris make Conley sense. has the highest vertical jump of all time of the NFL Combine. You mean to tell me you can't just throw the ball up there and tell Chris Conley to go get it? So I feel like I'm not – listen, Marquise was hurt. That's That stinks when guys get hurt. He got labeled yeah. early on. It's part of the business, man. For a couple-year stretch, he actually had the most catches mm-hmm. you know, for the team. Yeah. But – he got hurt. Devastating knee injury. And and then I think he got hurt because he got put in a position to go run around with defensive linemen yeah. instead of cornerbacks the last time. Mm-hmm. I just feel like they used him wrong. I don't think well I think another team that gets Marquise Lee, like if, if Kansas City were to get Marquise Lee or somebody just name a team, I think they'll use him better. Sure. Use him more use him properly. And you might see a guy, if he stays healthy, excel more than he did here. Yeah, you know, um, I'm never going to call somebody a bust or say that he should have got drafted or he got drafted because, once again, I, I truly believe that injuries are a part of the game, and sometimes it's just it's an unlucky roll of the dice, and, you know, that's what Marquise Lee got here in Jacksonville. Um, I wish him nothing but the best. I think it says a lot about his character, Brent, from the fact that, and I agree with you, he was out of position, okay? The guy didn't have any business, you know, playing that blocking wide receiver for half of his snaps that he was out there for, but you know what? I never heard Marquise Lee one time complain about it. Now, maybe he did to somebody else, but I didn't hear about it. From what, all I know is he went out there every single day, and he tried to do the, his job to the best of his abilities. So um, that's admirable, I think. I think it's admirable from the fact that where he came from, where if you look at the percentages, the odds, obviously the deck was stacked against him there because people in that situation don't make it out. Oh, unusually People not. in that situation don't make it to the NFL, you know, and make a better life for themselves. So um, I think that's admirable. So, yeah, obviously I'm be cheering for Marquise Lee, man. And, you know, it, it kind of sucks that he got released yesterday through the whole Yannick Ngakwe thing, through the whole Tony Khan thing, because you can't really give him a proper send-off. You can't, you know, kind of reflect a little bit of just what he brought to the team. But obviously he's going to get another shot someplace else, obviously, or ho- hopefully he gets used um, – you know, where he should be used, and he has uh, nothing but success down the line. If the Jags draft the tight end, here's what I'm a little afraid of with the, with this kind of situation. Now, mm-hmm. again, I think they gave up on Marquise a little bit here. $5 million off the cap. He hadn't been staying healthy. And so, you know, availability is a big thing in the NFL. I mean, how much are you going to roll with that? It's been six years, and it's been a lot of injuries, a lot of missed games, no doubt about it. But Tyler Eifert... Josh Oliver, go get another tight end. Now that they have a tight end room, assuming that stays healthy, you could have used Marquise differently now, I I feel like. Again, it'll be interesting, but don't be surprised at some point next season and be like, why wasn't Marquise Lee doing that for us Mm -hmm. here in Jacksonville? I just wouldn't be surprised. Again, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little biased toward him, but I've always felt this way, too. I just don't feel like they used him correctly. Mm -hmm. And... Some of that was circumstance. Some of that was they needed them to do other things. We've all been there before, right, where you do something that, like, your boss likes you and, and they want to utilize that, but you're like, I don't want to do that. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, no, for sure. Like, Absolutely. I don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Like, yeah. maybe it was when you had to gain weight, right? And, yeah. But, like, what the heck? I don't yeah. want to do that. Like, I don't think I'm at my didn't, best. Didn't want to play it through technique in Kansas City. Didn't want to do it. it hurt. Somebody in the last few years told me Marquise Lee is the best wide re- blocking wide receiver in the game. That's what they told me. Well, now, whether that was right or not, but that's how much they thought of him as a blocking wide receiver. Sure. And... He's almost a victim of his own success because but, he, he was a willing he, blocker and a yeah. good blocker, so it took him out of the fold to be a dangerous weapon. But here's the problem with that, though. You know, like, you saw the athleticism. You saw the speed. You saw the ability to be a receiver. And if he was that good at blocking, that tells me that he has a mindset, okay? Because not everyone wants to block, all right? Especially at a Absolutely. wide receiver. Willing even, blocker. Even, yeah. even a tight end position. It takes a, you know, that's just, those guys aren't cut from the same cloth anymore, right? It's all about the receptions. I could care less about blocking somebody. And the fact that Marquise Lee took pride in that, like that was, come to, I guess, you know, known as his forte. Why wouldn't you reward a guy like that? And why wouldn't you put the guy more in the offense and throw him the rock? Because he's capable. He was a great receiver as well. But you're just going to let the guy do all the dirty work and not reward him? That's uh, To me, that, that's not how an offense should work, in my opinion. What's interesting is Jay Gruden's offense, he might have thrived more in because maybe more yep. of the passing, whatever. Yep. The other part of it is, you know, say you like, you're in love right now with getting like a Ruggs. Now, listen, I don't, Marquise didn't have that kind of speed, but he mm-hmm. had speed, man. Yeah. <laughs> and again, you go, I got to, there is a caveat here. He was hurt a lot. I understand. But are they going to utilize a guy with speed properly? <laughs> You know, that's the big thing. Yeah. One last thought on Marquis Lee. He's really good buddies with Allen Robinson. And he was stunned when he got the new deal. He couldn't believe he got the new deal. He thought the new deal was going to be for Allen Robinson. Mm-hmm. He was stunned that the Jags brought him back on that deal. Got two years out of it instead of four. Uh, Marquis Lee, I think he'll do well somewhere if he ends up in the right situation. And, of course, he's got to stay healthy. But uh, no doubt, one of my favorites. When we come back, one of our favorites, Jason Fitz, joins us from ESPN right here at ESPN 690.